0: This podcast is hosted by RPP.
1: The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device.
0: Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do.
1: Because the government was also freaked out
0: about those. They might be dealing with a demonic possession.
1: Meanwhile, as she's on top of him squeezing his throat, she's screaming,
0: who sent India. here? And they started to move towards her really fast.
1: What are these? Australian aliens. Hi, everyone. It's me, Esther, and this is Gemma. Hey! And we're both here for... I think my fridge is haunted. We're back. Um, I hope you liked last week's episode. I have not stopped. It's weird. The internet is listening to us at all times because on all my For You pages now, on all social media is Bigfoot sightings. Really? I And I have not looked them up since that podcast because I learned so much. But um, yeah, it's the internet is listening. There's Bigfoot all over everything now.
0: But you know, even though I did Bigfoot over two episodes, like I, there is so much more. Like <laughs> I could have done a whole season on Bigfoot. It was just it's there's so much stuff. It's
1: crazy to me.
0: Anyway, so today is a little bit different because oh um, anyone that's not in Australia doesn't know we were actually in lockdown for the end of last year for quite a long time. And it gave um, me some time to. For some reason, I I fell into this um this rabbit, rabbit hole, hole of of this case. Oh, I can just picture that
1: picture you falling down the hole in Alice in Wonderland, but it's all like it's c- floating images of conspiracy theories and like yeah. I can I can I have some guesses at what you're doing? Yeah, go ahead. Is it a conspiracy theory?
0: No. Is it a spooky spooky? No, no, actually. It's a true crime. Is it well known? No, that's why I'm doing it. Because this this case is so frustrating because it's not well documented and the articles that you do find are, like, you'll see, like, say you've got five different articles, Mm. they'll all have completely different information from the next one. It's Oof. very hearsay. It's very Chinese whispers. And I feel like no one has really got down and got all the facts straight.
1: Is it Australian?
0: Yeah. Oh, shit. It's Melbourne. Is it my grandmother's murder? <laughs> no, of course not. Why would I do that? <laughs> That's dark.
1: Um, is it the one based on Mornington Peninsula?
0: No, that one's on my list though. Mm, the family annihilator? The,
1: the, the, the husband?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a heavy Monster one. Monster of Mornington, they call him. Mm, disgusting. Anyway. Is, is it the like Mount Martha
1: one. murders? Is it the little girl in the Mount Martha murders?
0: No. Jeez. Oh, All right. It's Eastern Suburbs. You'll never get it because I... honestly, I had only vaguely heard about it. Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. Facts
1: from the freezer. <laughs>
0: So according to the Missing Persons website run by the Australian Federal Police, of the 51,000 missing persons reports submitted to police in 2020, approximately 98% were located. So that's good news. So a lot of missing people get located. Mm. However, there remains approximately 2,600 long-term missing persons who have been missing for more than three months.
1: Mm, makes and just wonder. to
0: give you some context um, in relation to, say, the UK, mm. um, according to missingpeople.org.uk, 170,000 people are reported missing every year in the UK. So I suppose if you're calculating by uh, population, mm. um, I mean, they have a, a much larger population and a much denser po- population than we do. Mm. Uh, in fact, this season I'm probably going to be doing a couple of missing persons cases because there's a book that I'm about to start about the Larimer, uh, you know, the one that happened up in the Northern Territory, that guy that went missing with his dog from that tiny little town Yeah, yeah, where like 12 people lived. Mm. I'm going to be, I'm just starting the book on that, so I'm going to be doing that real soon as well. So, um, yeah, today I'm just going to be doing a case because it's a really long one and um, uh, Esther's just going to, give me her thoughts oh god of which i'm sure there will be many i'm
1: sorry yeah this
0: case is infuriating so (sighs) my sources were abc news news news.com.au the australian missing persons register the doe network the age the herald sun victoria police of course, the Daily Mail, mm-hmm. because it wouldn't be, I think, My fridge is haunted without the Daily Mail mm-hmm. chiming in. Uh, also, I talk to a lot, uh, a woman uh, named Ashley that runs a, an Instagram page called Elizabeth Membry Angel, which is dedicated to the person that we're going to be talking about today. So the case I'm doing is The Disappearance of Elizabeth Membry. Okay. Does it ring any bells to you? I'm I'm really trying to think. Well, it should. I think this case needs much more attention. Okay,
1: definitely. A
0: stack more attention, and when you hear about it, you'll be surprised. Yeah. At how little press it has got. There's no books about it. There's no documentaries. Not even an episode
1: mm.
0: of. So you is know, this the
1: first time? Like a modern not modern but you know podcasters talked about it possibly Mm.
0: i mean there's a lot of old articles yeah um i could not find any youtubers that had talked about this right the crime scene video is on youtube um Apart from that, I don't think anyone's... The crime really...
1: scene video was on YouTube?
0: Yeah, you know how last what? week you were tell, you were talking about the crime scene video, the, the forensics video? Oh my god, the is there... Scene?
1: There's forensics for this?
0: Even though she's a missing person, yes, there is a crime scene.
1: How did it get onto YouTube? How do they allow that?
0: Uh I think a, a lot of a lot of forensics crime scene videos are on YouTube
1: of just local cases
0: sometimes
1: that to me yeah. is so it was easy. To find.
0: I literally just googled it and there it was.'m
1: I'm, I'm really interested to see if my nonna's crime scene would be on the internet somewhere. I had no idea okay but that, that, that was possible
0: like okay well, because that's it's definitely... so
1: confidential most of the time. I'm a, I will be blown away if a case like this who has got less coverage than my grandmother's case,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: Google Maria Yan and there's mm-hmm. pages of it, I'm surprised that they're crime sceneers on the internet. That doesn't make sense.
0: I was surprised as well. I was like, wow, you know, uh, the resources are there to, to investigate this case. That's for crazy to me. and YouTubers to cover this case. But no one, it's just not, it's just not known enough. So let me tell you about this case. Uh, So we're going back to the early 90s. It's here in Melbourne in the eastern suburb of Ringwood. Okay. So that's around the area where I grew up. I actually went to high school in Ringwood. Right. Uh, and we are meeting Elizabeth Membry, who was born on the 6th of June, 1972. She's one of four kids and the only daughter born to parents, Roger and Joy. So according to her friend that I spoke to online, and we had quite extensive conversations just through messaging, Yeah, we have not spoken on the phone just for full disclosure. Yep. So according to this person, uh, Liz lived at 92 Bedford Road, Ringwood East, in just a tiny little house. It was actually described as a unit. Mm. Um, I think it was a two-bedroom little place. And I think it's one of those places that it's sort of, um, it's one block but there are two units on it. Yeah. yep. So... She was 23 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was an arts graduate. Her friends said that Elizabeth was a talented ballet dancer and she actually won a lot of awards back in the day. They say that she was super nice, super friendly, willing to talk and give a helping hand to anyone who needed it. So she's kind of like, you know, everyone's friend. Yeah. She really wanted to be a journalist and work in TV and she would actually investigate cases and make little newsletters and send them to Channel 10 and The Age, which is one of the newspapers here for our international listeners. So I guess if it was today, she could have been, you know, into true crime. She could have been a podcaster Hmm. or a YouTuber or an author. Sorry, what year did
1: you say this happened? This is in
0: 1994.
1: Oh the year I was born right
0: right yeah, I sorry i haven't um I hadn't mentioned that yet, no, it's okay, so while she was working towards this dream that she had, she worked in a bar at the Manhattan Hotel, which is uh one of those types of hotels in the eastern suburbs, like they've got like pokey machines and you can get like a pub meal there, and like yeah. Saturday nights they'll have like a band, yeah you know, pool tables, you know, you can watch the horse racing on the TVs, blah, 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 blah. So apparently she liked working there. It was pretty good money and things were looking pretty good for her. So her friend that I was speaking to uh, who explained this case to me, she also worked at the Manhattan as a barmaid as well. They had met in primary school, then they went to high school together and they also did Girl Scouts and they did dancing um, so they'd known each other for a really long time and then after school they continued to be mm. friends as well. They also went to the Manhattan to party when they weren't working and then they would walk home or to their boy- boyfriend's houses and they love shopping together and they love to go camping uh, and they used to try to get shifts at the Manhattan on the same day so that they could mm. work together. Yeah. At age 22 in August of 1993, uh, so this is a year and a half before the incident, yeah. Elizabeth bought her own place. It's a little two-bedroom unit at Bedford Road in Ringwood East and she had a housemate to move in. The place was a little bit run down, but it's cute. Yeah. So, like, for example, like, a few things needed fixing. Like, there was a window that didn't shut properly, which came up in the case. Oh, God. Like, but, like, back then... Like, I grew up fi- a five-minute drive from there in Wonturna. Wow. And it, 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 it felt like a safe area.
1: It was just a family community. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, nothing really ever happened there. So it's got a cute little living room with a fireplace, and it's close to her work. It's close to schools. It's close to shops. It's got um, Eastland Shopping Centre, where we used to hang out after school. Yeah, uh, The train station, nightclubs. And um, if anyone's from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, it was kind of like Juice Nightclub and Daisy's Nightclub or around that area, which people will probably laugh at if they're familiar with those. Um, so, yeah, it's changed a lot now. It's a little bit more sort of gentrified now. Just on a side note, her friend refers to Elizabeth as Liz. Okay. So I'm going to be referring to her as Liz as well. So let's fast forward a year and a half to the night of Tuesday, the 6th of December, 1994. Liz plans to spend the evening with her boyfriend, whose name is Jason, but she gets called into work. So I'm guessing it was like a busy time of year because like Mm. Christmas parties and things, it's three weeks before Christmas. Yeah, totally. She's probably going to get called in, you know, a fair amount around about this time. So... She's been at home alone because her housemate had traveled up to Queensland. So her friend that I've been speaking to was just finishing her shift as Liz is turning up for her shift right. According to the Australian Missing Persons Register, Liz was last seen leaving her evening shift at the Manhattan Hotel at 1145 pm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the next morning Liz is due at a doctor's appointment and then a family lunch with her parents because they would apparently have weekly family lunches. She tended to speak to her parents every, at least every second day or every day, uh, either on the phone or in person because they just lived in Vermont, which mm. is the next suburb. Suburb. It's really, really not far. She and her mom had gone shopping on the Monday 5th of December And she had last seen Liz around 2 p.m. on that day. So this is the day before her shift at the Manhattan where she gets called in. Another thing that apparently happened on the Monday was that Liz went to the local swimming pool, which was Ringwood Aquatic Centre. And witnesses said that she was seen having a heated argument with a man at the pool. Another swimmer at the pool called, his name was Warren Gartner, He said, next thing I hear, this bloke abusing this girl like you wouldn't believe. I turned to Bob and said, have a look at this pain in the ass. Fancy someone like her being told off by someone like this. He said he saw the man stopping to talk to a friend in the water and then shouting at Liz. And he also said this guy had a limp. So going back to the Wednesday morning, two days later. Liz's boyfriend, Jason, was aware that she had a doctor's appointment on the morning of Wednesday, 7th of December, 1994. But Liz didn't turn up to the family lunch. Mm -hmm. So her parents called the house quite a few times and she didn't pick up. They called her boyfriend and he said he hadn't heard from her either and they find out she never went to her doctor's appointment that morning. So Liz's parents, Joy and Roger, go over to the house. Her little red Mazda is outside and when Liz doesn't answer the door, according to the Herald Sun, they break in. ABC News says that Jason broke in, so I'm going to presume that all three of them were together and they sort of broke in together.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, When they get inside, they go through the living room and the kitchen through to the hallway that leads to the bedroom. They find a large blood stain in the hallway and her doona is missing from her bed.
1: Oh God.
0: So her bedside clock had been set to like an alarm for her doctor's appointment that morning. And it looked like she had been in the middle of writing a letter to her friend who lived in the UK and she'd been disturbed. So the following day, a forensic team comes in. And this is part of the frustrating bit. The following day.
1: Yeah, Jesus.
0: Meanwhile, all hospitals within a three-hour radius are called to see if anyone of Liz's description has come in.
1: What, was that on the day? Please tell me that was right at that time of the parents' hospital. So it's
0: on the Wednesday that people realise she's missing. So between the Wednesday... Um, the Thursday and the following days, they're calling hospitals.
1: Just the amount of but, time
0: that's. So, but this is it. Just the forensic team comes in. An actual invested, investigator doesn't come in until later.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: So, a after cramping, the family
1: have walked through the house, after it's just. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah, and the blood stain on the floor is actually quite substantial. I'm not just talking I looked about it
1: up. It's it's a it is like a good dark big patch.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the crime scene video that I was talking about before was taken on Thursday, the eighth of December, more than forty eight hours oh, after the crime has taken place. And in the video, you can see people dusting for prints. The video differs from the crime photos, however, because there is an old mattress in the video that's propped up against the wall in the living room and in the photo it's in the hallway propped up against the wall. So at some point that's been moved. Yeah. I would presume that, like, that's just like a spare mattress. I'm not going to say that's got anything to do with the crime because, you know, when you live in a share house, like you tend to have like a spare mattress around because people crash. Yeah. You know, yep. Like they come around for drinks and they just sort of, you know, decide to stay over and that sort of thing. So I, I, I don't really think that the mattress has anything to do with the actual crime.
1: This is horrible. Yeah. This is horrible.
0: So Liz's friend told me that the actual homicide squad didn't actually start working on the case until Monday the 12th of December. So almost six days after she's disappeared. Oh, my God. And, again, if anyone who's part of this case would like to contact us and tell me if I'm wrong, please do, because the reporting on this case is absolutely shocking. There are so many differing facts that you don't actually know what's happening, and it's very hard to get a clear timeline of the case. So the forensic evidence found that Elizabeth was killed in the house.
1: Wait, so she was it was confirmed that it was a murder scene.
0: I think with the amount of blood, it was presumed that she was killed
1: because
0: it was, I think, the volume of blood made it very improbable. Oh, that's so 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 this, this
1: isn't a missing, well, yeah, it's.
0: It's a disappearance because there is no closure to the case Mm. so whether it's called a murder I suppose you could call it a murder but it really is a disappearance yep because it's so open-ended so the forensic evidence suggests that she was killed in the house then her body was taken along with her doona which for our American and British people that's a duvet yep duvet cover for like a blanket for your bed and placed into her red Mazda and driven somewhere. Forensics then surmised that the Mazda had been driven back to the house before the parents got there the following afternoon. Mm -hmm. They actually think that all of this happened within a three-hour window. So I would say between around midnight and 3am.
1: This is so fucked up.
0: I know. And why is this not more well-known? Yeah. This happened half an hour away from me.
1: Oh, this is upsetting.
0: I mean, it's crazy. So the forensic evidence, and by the way, also, I was in, I think, year eight. I think I was 12 or 13 when this happened. Mm. I think I was 13. and I just don't remember it being a massive big deal. Why? Yeah. This is a huge deal. Uh, I actually asked one of my friends, like, um, you know, Greg, who was on the podcast, yeah. I asked him and my other high school friends, I said, do you guys remember this? And my friend Nicole said, yeah, my mum used to talk about that because mm. they lived in Ringwood East as well.
1: God, so damn. according
0: to the Doe Network, which is a website about missing missing persons, they say police believe a known visitor was let in. Sometime later, she was attacked in the hallway and killed. The killer spent hours trying to conceal the crime. The hallway was washed and a deep blood stain on the carpet was attempted to be clean. When I was looking at the video, mm. it looked to me, it was very obvious that someone had tried to clean the blood stain.
1: I'm looking at it now. So, Does that
0: strike you as well as the case?
1: Let me have a look. It's, the photo's just loading. Oh, this is heavy, girl. This is really hard to listen to. I'm just so sad for the family. Let's see. Yeah. It it, lo- it looks wet. The carpet looks like it's still damp with cleaning product.
0: Yeah, and it looks like it's been, been sort of scrubbed. cleaned a whole
1: patch and it's just... Yeah,
0: and then they've, like, given... Up- I feel like he was two people. Panicking. I feel like they've panicked. They've tried to clean up. I think one of them's gone. Stuff that. Let's go. I don't know. My gut tells me there's two people involved, that there is more than one person that came in. So the Doe Network continues. They say, police believe the killer wrapped Membri's body in her doona and put it in the backseat of her Mazda. They believe she is located along dirt roads within 100 kilometres of the Ringwood unit. They believe the car was returned three hours later. The car showed dust and soil consistent with the King Lake and Sylvan areas that was wedged in the wheel trims and doors. Hmm. So to our people that are not based in Melbourne who are listening, um, Sylvan and Kinlake are in the northeast of outer Melbourne and they're quite rural areas. And they're forested and they're quite mountainous. Back then, they were more like small towns. Hmm. In addition, Liz's neighbour, whose name was Andrea Pumper, heard a a loud bang around 1.30 in the morning. After her dogs had started barking and she went outside to calm them down. At that time, she noticed a white or cream sedan outside Liz's house. Okay. According to a website called Tom Box, which is a WordPress site dedicated to several unsolved mysteries, he puts up a theory about Liz's body having been taken to a mine shaft up in Sylvan,
1: which is about two
0: hours east of Melbourne up in the mountains. The article reads, Elizabeth Membry murdered and buried in Sylvan area? This is a mine shaft on public land in the Sylvan area. The surrounding land consists of the type of red volcanic soil consistent with what was found on Elizabeth Membry's vehicle. It has not been reported that Victorian police have searched this area. I will shortly provide the coordinates of this mine shaft and some other mine shafts that are nearby when I've confirmed and taken pictures of them. So then they did an update on 16th of February 2019 And it said, recent information indicates that the red gradational brackets volcanic soil may be from a property in the Tulangi area. Wow. Uh, So the Tulangi area is more southeast Mm. or eastern. It's a very sort of national forest, isn't it? I've never heard of this area in my life. Tulangi is like Black Spur.
1: Oh, my God, my dream. Yeah, beautiful. Really
0: spooky, beautiful beautiful forest. But actually I find it really spooky out there.
1: Yeah, I find Black Spur creepy.
0: So um, this guy Tom Box, um, he says he he doesn't actually give any information about where he got these tips or where he got this information. Yeah. Or if it's just speculation. Um, I get the impression that Tom is kind of like us, just sort of like an armchair detective kind of thing. I mean,
1: good on you for p- pursuing this.
0: Exactly. Um, so I actually reached out to Tom uh, via his contact page mm. and I wasn't sure that they were going to get back to me because, you know, the last the page was- has been updated for like two years. Yeah. But they actually got back to me. Uh, And this is the email. Hi, Gemma. Thank you for your contact. Briefly, I've looked at sites in Hoddles Creek and Tulangi based on tiny pieces of information that they could be the location. But after checking them out, I'm fairly convinced they are not locations of interest. The police suggested that the soil found on Elizabeth's car may have come from the Sylvan or King Lake area. And again, piecing together the tiny pieces of information from police searches and a couple of people that knew Shane Bond, who we will talk about later, Mm. I'm now convinced the most likely area is Sylvan, probably on public land, not private property. I have located one mine shaft surrounded by red soil, which you've probably seen on my site. So he's obviously done a lot of work. He's
1: done his research.
0: And I have been advised of a few more nearby, which I'm yet to locate after lockdown. I'm happy to answer any questions about my research via email. My motivation is to bring home Elizabeth's remains to give her family closure.
1: Thank you for taking
0: the trouble to highlight this case and hopefully help in bringing it to a conclusion. Kind regards, Tom.
1: He's a legend.
0: Tom is a legend. I mean, it goes to show that you know, we're, the, we're not the only people that have come across this case and thought, yep. why aren't more people talking about this? Completely. It's kind of outrageous.
1: It's sad. This is really, really sad.
0: So finally, on the 12th of December, the Homicide Squad are brought in. So she went missing. So it's. So she, she went. People realised that she was missing on Wednesday the 7th. And the homicide squad are brought in on the 12th. So five days later. I'm speechless. So after six months of investigation, Liz is actually declared dead on the basis of the blood found at her house. In 1996, Roger and Joy, Liz's parents, created the Elizabeth Membry Award for Dance. Mm. And in 1997, a $100,000 reward was announced for any information leading to an arrest. Mm. Things moved very slowly on this case, and I'm not entirely sure why it took so long, but in 1999, police searched a lake near her house. I'm not sure which which lake. I'm going to presume it's Ringwood Lake because that's kind of the most well-known lake in Ringwood. Yep. And in 2001, after a tip comes in, the police search. See, this is why I'm confused. It says in 1999, police search a lake near her house. Yeah. And in 2001, a tip comes in and the police search Ringwood Lake, which is the main lake which is like kind of the popular area where people go for picnics and they jog around the lake and, See, you know. Yeah, they you'd think they would have
1: checked all local lakes.
0: You would think. Like it's a really popular local place to hang out. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> why did they not have the scuba divers in there like in 1995? It's, it's you know, why yeah. did
1: it take it's so, like, dis- it is so it disappointing. Take seven years? so disappointing
0: anyway so let's talk about suspects
1: yeah
0: firstly quite a few people knew where liz lived and a few knew where her spare key was mm. so just kind of goes to show a she had a lot of friends yeah b she was very trusting c she was probably very uh giving generous yeah, yeah. my house is your house you want to come over i'll be at work but the key's here blah blah blah, blah. that's what that tells me so apart from that people also knew that the house had a window that didn't shut properly like i said the house sort of needed a little bit of work in the early 2000s the victoria police set up the cold murder squad Hmm. and senior sergeant ron Idles comes on board ron So this is when the reinvestigation of the case actually starts. And I think this is when... What? I was just thinking, Ron
1: has like a 99.8% success rate in solving crime. So my grandmother's case and and Elizabeth's
0: case are probably the only cases he hasn't solved. They're like the 0.02 that... He has not, unfortunately, been able to bring to justice. Well,
1: Elizabeth, so- if you're if if Elizabeth's family is listening, I totally, totally, totally understand what you're going through and what you've mm. gone through. I totally understand it. We have a body, or we had a body, but no justice. Still no justice. You have no body, I'm assuming. I don't know the story, and you I'm guessing you don't have any justice either, so I totally get it. And Uh, you know my case was in Victoria too it was just a few years after yours so I I totally totally understand what you're going through totally get it and out
0: east as well like your case was just out in Hillsville, yeah which really from Ringwood is what 40 tops 40 minute drive
1: yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they went out in Hillsville. I mean there's it's rural it's I, it just—I'm so heartbroken, and I'm so sorry if any of you are listening, because I—I yeah. totally know what this is, and this is why Gem, this episode is really hard to listen to. It's, yeah, it's real. This is really triggering. It's horrible.
0: I know it's tough, but I think it, it, this this case needs another boost.
1: One hundred percent, and this is why it's important. Our podcast is small, but it works there's we've got international listeners and we don't like Jen Davies for example is our mutual friend and she just happened to know the Australian true crime podcast who did an interview of my non's case and they've got over five million listeners or something like right you just have to you just someone just has to hear it and this is why it's so important to to push these tiny cases in the public again because you don't know who's listening, you don't know who's reading, you don't know who's watching. They may have heard something, they may have seen something and this is, it's just so important, you know. Yeah. Your
0: this case Every is- little step counts, doesn't it?
1: Completely. Every little share or comment, whatever, it leads to something. So mm. hang in there, guys. I get it.
0: And I believe um, the family does run a Facebook page for Elizabeth memory as well. Yep. Uh, if you want to Google her name in the search bar on Facebook and uh, click like on that and follow that as well. Yeah, I'll do it right now. So in 2005, a patron from the Manhattan is questioned, so where she worked, but we don't know who that was. In 2007, the reward money was, re- was increased to a million dollars to help find Liz's body. So at this point, it's more of a recovery mission um, because if they have a body, Mm. they have more of a case. You know, there's a potential for a cause of death. There's a potential for DNA evidence. If you have a body, there's just so much more of a case to be established.
1: Yeah, 100%. So in
0: 2008, uh, Ron Idle's and another detective actually fly out to Do you western know the australia.
1: detective's name
0: uh no i couldn't find the second detective's name mm. um they flew out to western australia and they interviewed a person called shane andrew bond yeah who tom box mentioned in his email uh who a few people including liz's friend that i spoke to had gone to police about in previous years and and was questioned, and this is the guy that we think is the blonde guy that was arguing with her at the swimming pool.
1: Right, yep.
0: So Ron and this other detective interview uh, him in Kalgoorlie and he said he didn't know who Liz was except oh. that she was a barmaid at his local pub and at that point no charges were laid. Of course. So then, Of course. They later found out that this was a lie. He actually did know Liz. Um, Liz had actually told another employee at the Manhattan that this guy, Shane Bond, had been, quotation marks, hassling her. God. The police moved on to three more suspects, but they have since been dismissed. It's suggested that one of them was a bouncer at the Manhattan, uh, but the other's cannot be named by police. I'm not entirely sure why. But Mm -hmm. Shane Andrew Bond seems to be the main name that keeps popping up over and over again in this case. Also, I read that he has a limp, same as the guy yelling at Liz at the pool. So according to the Victoria Police website, Shane Andrew Bond had been working in Western Australia between Port Hedland Karatha and Kalgoorlie, but had recently come back to Victoria in the early 90s. So whether that's doing mining work, I'm not entirely sure what his line of work was, but you usually presume that if people go from Victoria over to WA, it's usually some kind of mining work. Yep. Uh, On April 20th, 2010, Shane Andrew Bond, who's in his early 40s at the time, was arrested and charged with Liz's murder. And in 2012, a two week trial proceeded to take place, including 76 witnesses. Wow. So it's looking really good. This trial is happening. The family are feeling positive. It looks like there's finally going to be an end to this. They find out that Shane flew up to Queensland two days after Liz's disappearance. And he also hand painted his car black oh shortly after.
1: Oh, God. It just. Right? Just so disappointing. Yeah.
0: And where have we heard that recently? The Carol Clay case. The couple that went missing and their campsite was found burned out. The guy that they arrested.
1: Mm oh yeah yeah yeah
0: and yeah his car painted a completely different color his Land Rover it's usually a real big red flag to your neighbors a massive. if you all of a sudden like paint your car <laughs>
1: no, I just it's crazy how stupidly obvious
0: I mean, unless you're having a big night on the, you know, MDMA or something like that, and you're like, "Let's paint the car."
1: But how how incriminating for yourself?
0: Exactly. Like it, you would you would cause less attention to yourself. Oh, just try to leaving like leaving it alone.
1: Oh yeah, no, no. I've always had a black car. Like it's it's mind blowing.
0: Uh anyway. So, and his car also was the same model as the white or cream oh car. my God. Oh allegedly God. seen outside Liz's house by Andrea, the neighbour, oh. around 1am on the night of her disappearance. So it's looking pretty dodgy for him.
1: This piece of shit. I mean, I don't know if I can say that because I don't know if he's... This is it. I mean, it's so... I'm guessing from this case, he's not in prison.
0: It's one of those... Look, let's just keep going, shall we? Mm. So the guy at the swimming pool, Warren, he actually stood up as a witness during the trial. And this is a good, what, almost 20 years, like 18 years after the actual disappearance. Yeah, so his
1: memory would be contorted. Well, yeah, distorted. but
0: so he talked about what he had seen at the swimming pool because he had seen her in the newspaper afterwards and he'd gone to police to say what he had witnessed. Yep. So I guess he was on police files for all of those years. So he was probably called up when the trial was happening. Yeah. Also, a friend of Liz's from school, whose name was Mary McCormack, said that she had seen Liz at the swimming pool that day as well uh, with a guy that was tanned, attractive, and broad-shouldered with sandy blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um... <sighs> So there was another friend called Kerry Howard who was a neighbour of Liz's. She'd knocked on the door one day uh, and she had said that a well-built Sanderhead man had opened the door and she said, I think he sort of smiled and said, Liz, there's someone at the door. She described him as, quote, a fine physical example of a man. Wow, that's a (laughs) bit, that's one hell of a description. (laughs) <laughs> and she also mentioned that he had sandy hair and he was well built so it kind of looks like you know this guy has been seen around liz a fair bit there's a few different examples of it however the witnesses who described this mystery blonde man couldn't agree on his height some saying he was five foot ten others saying he was six foot two which look it's what four inches difference i don't think it's a massive big deal yeah i mean no. It is what it is. Exactly. Prosecutor Jeff Horgan told the jury with his opening address that Bond had told another man he, quote, had dramas with a girl and got rid of her, unquote. Now, I don't know if that sort of hearsay is allowed uh, in court. No, I'm, not really. A- it, it's It's a
1: lot of the time it's dismissed as not being sufficient evidence at all yeah yeah
0: it seems unless you've got a
1: confession directly you know yeah exactly caught on fucking recording nah hearsay is not reliable
0: But he's also alleged to have said to somebody else that she hit her head, Liz hit her head on the coffee table at her house and he and another person had put her body in a creek. Oh, my
1: God. This is But he also said
0: to somebody else allegedly that her throat had been cut. There's, (laughs) okay, so at least ten witnesses have come forward to say that Bond had told them he was involved in this case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, either more than 10 people are lying or this guy is really chatty about this case that he's involved with.
1: Well, sometimes they get nervous. Sometimes they boast. Sometimes it plays on their conscience.
0: If, I mean, if you did it, you would boast, especially if you're, say, a big drinker or you're partial to doing drugs. Mm Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, maybe you can get a bit mouthy. Mm-hmm. But why would you confess to something, even in a casual sense, that you didn't do? Well. Is it worth the bravado?
1: Or some, you know, some, some people play the big man, but I, I, it just sounds like, to me it sounds like he's either shitting himself or he's boasting about it.
0: It's a dangerous game to play. Or mm. well, don't kill people. People don't kill people. Exactly. How about you just don't kill people? Yeah. So the cur- the court also heard that Shane Bond was seen covered in blood by his housemate that night. Oh, for fuck's sake! Did they? Did
1: they? Did they look into his house? Did they go through
0: his shit to find blood? I'm, like... I'm gonna presume so. I hope so. My God, this is his. This is his explanation. He said that that night he had had some kind of fit. And he bitten his tongue and bled all over himself. I've right. read that this housemate said he was like covered in blood, like head to toe. And also uh, wait, he
1: said not? he bit his
0: tongue. He said he was having some kind of like an like an epileptic fit. I wonder if it like, had anyone... bitten his tongue in the process and that his tongue had bled out all over his clothes. I wonder
1: if anyone checked his tongue. Like
0: surely they I would like to know that oh, man. or check to see if that he was epileptic or whatever. Yeah. Or collected the clothes themselves.
1: Yeah. You know, cause so that would have been good. Yeah.
0: But again, you know, if these articles are correct, the homicide squad didn't come in until five days afterwards, which, at which point, you know, he's probably burned the clothes. They're long gone. So in the end, At the end of the day, there were no eyewitnesses to a crime being committed and there was no DNA linking Bond to the crime. Mm. Afterwards, the jury of seven men and five women deliberated for eight days. So obviously they didn't quite know what to make of the case Mm. because usually if you know, you know. It's like a couple of hours.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, Bond was found not guilty of Liz's murder. The family were shocked by the verdict and Liz's dad said, it's not the end, we're not giving up. Mm. So at this point, back in uh, 2012, it's been 18 years since Liz disappeared and they've still got no answers.
1: Yep.
0: Liz's friend said that very little has happened in the case since 2012. She suggested that a lot of people in Liz's close circle believe that Bond was responsible for her death, but the evidence is just not strong enough. Yep. There is another person that some people within that circle also believe was involved. Um, She gave me his name, but let's call him Danny. Yep. It is surmised that the killer did not carry this crime out alone. It is said that both Shane and Danny acted in a way that was, quote, creepy towards young girls, unquote. And at po- at one point Liz allegedly refused to serve them at the bar because they were so touchy with her.
1: It's just so I upsetting.
0: Yeah. Uh, there are some local rumours that I've been told about this other person, Danny, um, but I won't go into it because even though it's, it's compelling, he hasn't been charged with anything by the police. So it's really just hearsay. Yeah. So I really can't go into that.
1: What, uh, like what I will say assault charges that, or?
0: Well, this Danny person has been known for being violent and has also allegedly told acquaintances that he knows where the body is and he's also said that he would kill again if anyone upset him piece of shit but for some I'm reason I'm right not
1: mentioning him
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't want them to come after any of us <laughs>
1: yeah. fair enough
0: so for some reason police um, did not wish to you know, carry out any charges with this person. I don't know why. We just don't have enough information. Can
1: I ask a quick question? Sure. So you have this person's name? Yeah. Did you do a Facebook search?
0: I don't have their full name. I've only got their first name. Right, okay. So it wouldn't be possible, unfortunately. Yeah. So Shane Andrew Bond has... Basically just tried to lay low since the trial, um, moving around the country, trying to stay anonymous.
1: Where is he now? Uh, do you at, know?
0: I don't know. At one point he started using meth uh, according to the papers and uh. he couldn't keep a job. He has also been in and out of prison. He's had driving offences. In and out of prison for what? Um, driving and the other the other one was it was called something like dishonesty charges i don't know what that refers to bizarre but he maintains his innocence in the elizabeth memory case yeah so apparently the people that moved into the house after liz went missing lived there for nine years and when they found out what happened there uh they moved out wow so that shows to me how little press this case got and no. how small of a fuss that was made
1: oh, over this 100% 100%. Um I remember when I um went and revisited my grandmother's house up in Hillsville the woman was not told at all about the case. Wow. She didn't know only until like only a few years before we we visited.
0: I mean, like, you know, normally, at the very least, you've got kids like pointing at that's the murder house, you know? You usually. Yeah, but that would probably
1: not last for long.
0: Think about it
1: like, once it drizzles down, people forget 100%.
0: Maybe. Um,. Although out there, I mean, it is the type of place where, you know, you grow up, you have kids, you raise your kids there and, you know, that kind of thing. It's It's quite a generational place. It's a suburb.
1: You know, it's not like a big Um, spooky farmhouse. And
0: suburbs do do carry legends, you know. Mm. But just a few years after Anita Cobby's murder, which was national headlines, this very similar case got absolutely nothing. And you have to wonder... If her body had been found, would this case have had that sort of media attention? Um, It was also on the year before Paul Denyer was arrested for killing at least three women in the Frankston area, and that was huge news. Yep, yep. So you just have to ask, like, why (sighs) does one case just not get as much? I mean, the Carmine Chan case, which happened in a similar area, So this one was huge national news. They didn't find her body for years. I wonder but why. I, guess, I like, wonder it was why. a child abduction, though. I suppose. Yeah.
1: I just. It's still. I I can't figure it out either. Was so, did something happen at the time that made it made it you know hidden more hidden? Was there some other case? Or some other
0: event. I don't think so. Like I say, I mean, it was just a few years after Anita Cobby. It was the year before Paul Denyer, the serial killer. Yeah. I think it probably was just one of those cases. It was headline news for maybe a day or two, and then it just drifted away. Yeah, I don't really know what. I don't really know what the formula is for creating that legendary status, you know that negative legendary status of, of a true crime case that keeps it in people's minds for so many years.
1: Yeah. But hopefully
0: um, hopefully this one will come back into you know the local the local mindset. Mm. But in closing, um, Liz's friend told me, Liz had everything. She impacted everyone. No one could have guessed that she could just vanish. She loved life. We all did, but especially her. Always happy, always smiling. I have photos just 25 hours before she disappeared. Videos, hearing her voice is the hardest thing. She had a gorgeous laugh and smile. She really didn't deserve it and there was no clues we got to say that it would happen. There was no motive for her murder. Mm. Everyone loved her. She made an everlasting impression on everyone she met. I truly believe her and her boyfriend were soulmates. It took 12 years after her disappearance for him to even think about dating again. He never gave up on finding her. More than 20 years after Liz disappeared, he got married. It took him that long. The girl he got married to was in dance class with Liz, Mm. so she knew her as well. As far as I know, they have a picture of Liz up in their house and have for the past 10 years. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone will ever be charged with her murder, but I hope and pray every day she's found so her parents can have a funeral while they're still with us. She really deserves a grave and to be remembered.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And that is the story of Elizabeth Membry. That's so upsetting. I do want to say if anyone has in, any information mm. about this case that they believe can assist police, um, please contact Crime Stoppers. The number is one 800 333 You can also go to www.crimestoppersvic.com.au.
1: Yep just so upsetting i'm so upset um i'm so sorry
0: i guess there's a silver lining though in telling the story
1: of course yeah let's hope this picks up
0: but um i think the most tragic thing that could happen is that if the case is forgotten
1: well it'll never be forgotten because the family members and the ones that remember liz but Someone needs to be held accountable. Exactly. You can't get away with this. This mm-hmm. cannot be a successful activity. This. This cannot. It, it, someone needs to be held accountable.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like you know when you were on the co- the cover of the Australian about your um, yeah. You your can't
1: name. hide secrets you can't forever. Cover up
0: your secrets forever. You can't.
1: The the crazy thing is, though, this guy's telling his secrets. If it's him, which sounds very much like it's him, he's b- boasting, he's showing off, which is fucked up. It's fucked up.
0: I have to wonder if the forensics, uh, if the homicide team had got there earlier, was there more they could have done?
1: Yeah, I mean, they could have seen this amount of blood. A person
0: can still survive from losing it or, you know, I don't know. I mean, by the time they got to the house, Shane Bond was long gone. He had flown to Queensland. He'd painted his car, had gone to queensland. Well,
1: not only, yeah, not only that, but if she had have been injured from that amount of loss of blood, how long it would have been in you know, whether she could have lasted a few hours, you know, mm. i I'm just heartbroken, I'm so. Sorry for the family and friends. Horrible. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just do what you can to share, like the page. I just went on their page and the one I found on Facebook is, and it's sad because it just shows well, their parents probably have no idea how to use technology because it's, it's not mm. even a page. It's, they've just made a, a profile that you have to add as a friend. To see,
0: oh really? See
1: photos Uh, unless there's a remembrance page. I could just find someone called Find Elizabeth Memory, but um, it's sad because people pass away
0: and things get dropped. Mm. Mm Hmm. I mean, I believe she has two or three brothers. So I would like to believe that perhaps either one of them is good with technology or maybe they have kids, mm. maybe the grandchildren I hope so, yeah. can sort of pick up that mm. or something like that. But I really think sort of, uh, you know, technology is is often the way to go, just getting it out there. Unfortunately, this person that I've been speaking to has not been so um, – Uh, active on the Instagram page Mm. in the past month or so they updated I think once in January but they went from updating sort of a couple of times a week to sort of disappearing and they haven't even read my last message yeah so I'm not entirely sure what happened to them it's sad Um, I hope I
1: hope they aren't losing hope you know right um just even if you work even if you manage to listen to this and you don't know anyone uh you don't have i don't know anyone in your family who is good with technology even if someone's willing to help older generations help them out with pages and um i uh what are we on podcasts youtube Mm -hmm. you know before um i contacted journalists and i the only reason I contacted a journalist in the first place was because I listened to teacher's pet podcast. And right. when I told my dad about, Oh my God, you've got to listen to the teacher's pet. They opened up this cold case. That's over 20 years or something old. And the guys in court this week, like they're, they've solved this basically just because this podcast has gone absolutely viral. My dad mm-hmm. was like, what's an iPod? And he had no, I had no idea what it was. Right. Saying, how do I use the iPod, you know? Poor <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> he had no idea like, that's what I'm saying, like, get someone right. to help you so you can spread more information. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, just for people, do you, do you happen to know when your episode of uh, Australian True Crime will be up?
1: Um, it, it's a two-parter slash video. Um, wow yeah so my dad my dad was wonderful I'm so very proud of him he he spoke for an hour and a half about the entire case so right when if anyone wants to listen to it when it comes out I don't know when it's going to come out because there's something else coming out that I can't tell anyone about yet okay sure so we don't know whether we're going to time it in with that so so everyone's hit with all the shit again but um Right, it's going to be a big one two parter um, Australian true crime podcast again. Thank you Jen Davies for sorting that out, and Michelle and Emily are absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, they're really um, strong ladies. They're yeah. really really good podcasters.
1: Incredible. The team is amazing. <laughs> the setup is amazing. It was very very cool. But um,
0: well, hope maybe one day they can jump on 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 this case as well. Anyway, that's about it for tonight. I know this was a real heavy case. I think next time I'm actually, the next one I'm I'm doing is, is a paranormal, so hopefully we can get some laughs out of that.
1: I'll try to um, think of something that isn't crime related.
0: <laughs> but you know what? My list of, I've got a list of probably about ooh, 50, 60 cases I want to do the bulk of them is true crime and I know it's super, super heavy and I try to sort of put in a few cryptids Mm. and paranormal stories in there, you know, in between, Mm. a few Fly and Brian type stories. Flying
1: Fly and Brian, bless.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Going back to season two, season one, season two. Back when I was funny. Um, the, the Donovan haunting. Um,
1: Donovan. Yeah.
0: Anyway, you guys, let's wrap it up. Until yep. next time, you guys, you know how it goes. Be creepy. But
1: don't be a creep.
0: Woo. 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 Oof, that was-
1: Delicious, yeah. <laughs>